welcome back to another episode of Survivor Talks. On this week's episode, I am joined by guest Maggie to discuss the fear behind why survivors choose not to report the sexual assaults. Like always, each episode contains a trigger warning due to recounting of survivors' experiences, mental health, rape culture, and so much more. If at any point you need to take a break or stop listening altogether, please do so. everyone my name is Maggie I am a graduate from SFU health sciences program and I'm currently working as a support worker for neurodiverse youth and also support worker for youth with mental health challenges the topic of this podcast means a lot to me so thank you for having me of course, thank you, Maggie, for being a guest today. Um, so the topic for today that Maggie and I are going to be talking about is why I didn't report. So for those of you who have probably seen the hashtag going around on social media, um, the hashtag why I didn't report is often used by survivors of domestic or sexual violence who fear that law enforcement or even like from their own family members they don't want to report due to the victim blaming gaslighting and invalidation that they will experience from our justice system so even if you go and search it up on google and there is an instagram account actually called why i didn't report not quite too sure if it's a non-for-profit or not but i definitely definitely recommend checking it out so for Maggie and I today, we are going to be discussing what the fear is behind reporting. Is it due to lack of evidence, not being credible enough? Is it because of the predator-friendly environment that our society has created? And so much more. So Maggie, how are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing good too. Thank you for asking. So what do you think the fear is behind reporting? I think that there's like a lot of factors that kind of affect this and it's probably subjective it's just like unique for everybody for me it's a lot of I've seen these trials in the media and I've seen how they everything just kind of goes against the person who's experienced the sexual assault I find the when you take it to authorities or to if it goes further to like a court situation I find a lot of the time that they just will do and say anything to kind of blame the victim. So I think there's a lot of fear behind that. Yes, definitely. I've always seen that as well on on the media, whenever there's a trial or some top case of sexual assault or just sexual misconduct in general with celebrities, um, there is that fear behind reporting. And often in this timeline of trauma, uh, victims are put on a pedestal where it's like, oh, why didn't you come uh, for it sooner? Why did you tell anyone about it? You're clearly just ruining the reputation now, but it's like, that's not the idea. It all kind of ties down to the justice system and our law enforcement and how they handle uh, sexual assault cases. So um, have you ever reported your sexual assault? I have not, but it's interesting that you asked me that because I remember the first person that I had told was um, my counselor at the time. And that was the first thing she asked me was, do you want to go to authorities? And I didn't even think twice about it. I immediately had just said no, because I knew everything in my situation would be against me. That's what I had told myself. That's what I had seen in the media, in movies on the news everywhere you read it's just kind of like well did she really say no or you have these cases of like like the Brock Turner case where it's like you know these people do finally report and then they come you know 
they just kind of get ripped apart and then there's kind of no justice. So I did not. Did you end up reporting yours? I actually did. However, there is a bunch of different reporting systems that I feel like a lot of people don't know about. So NBC, there's a disclosure, which is not really reporting, it's just giving a statement to the police. And then there's an actual part where you do go to the police station. However, many people don't know about this, but if you actually contact a, a woman's organization, so the Sorry Women Center, um, Women Against Violence Against Women, I think Battered Women's Society might do third-party reports. I'm not quite sure, but it is called a third-party report. And if you contact a woman's organization, they will take in um, your, your concerns. So if you want to report your sexual assault, you can just they'll contact you, connect you with a support worker. And through that, um, usually the questions that the police usually ask you, it would be the support worker. And they'll usually just do it over the phone. If you feel like you need more time, um, they'll send you a list through your email to your email. And through there, you can take as long as you want to answer the questions. So it starts off with your personal information, such as your name, how old you are, where you live, which city you live in. And then it dives down into um, your, 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 like, your abuser information. So it'll be like, what car was your abuser driving or does drive? How tall is he, eye color, hair color? the height, the weight, um, and then I'll start asking you questions about what happened, the date that happened, um, and just like those questions that the cops would usually ask, and I had done a third party report. However, um, it kind of bit me in the ass a little bit because I read on the Victim Link BC website that if I did a third party report, the cops would actually investigate it. However, um, I had the choice to want to cooperate with them or not, and Regardless if I did or not, I would still be kept anonymous. But when I contacted the Surrey Women's Center and I told them that I wanted to do a third party report, my support worker actually told me that um, they, that option is not available, like an investigation not available, unless um, my abuser's name was already in the database of police records, or if another woman came forward, then they would launch an investigation. And then I would have that choice um, if, you know, if I wanted to cooperate with them or not. Um, if I didn't, I would have my support worker be the messenger between like the cops and I. So if the cops found something, they would then let my support worker know that she would let me know. If I wanted to add more details or just let the cops know about something, then I would let the support worker know. Then she would let the cops on the investigation know. So it's kind of like a, a back and forth thing. And I was a little disappointed to find out that it wasn't going to be like an actual investigation because that safety towards non being anonymous kind of like brought comfort to me. And then once I realized it was just a basic like name on the database kind of thing, I was like, oh, well, that kind of sucks. Yeah, I feel like that must have, that must feel so invalidating. Like you almost feel like you're, it's already difficult enough for you to relive your trauma and retell all these, these things that you remember and then they kind of just are like, well, that's not enough. And they keep asking you for more and there always has to be more. So I, I feel like a lot of people probably fear that exact thing that happened to you. Yeah, and I did think about actually doing like a report, like going to the cops about it. And I sat with that thought for about a few weeks and I was realized, you know what, like I don't want to go through that re-victimization stage again because I don't want to be re-traumatized. I don't want to be reminded of my experience again of sexual assault. And I sure as hell 
like you've said with movies and books and documentaries and what you see on the media with all these high profile trials, um, like you don't want to feel invalidated and gaslighted and victim blamed, which is what a lot of survivors do experience when they go to report. Um, I remember seeing on social media, um, a person to follow had posted that nine out of 10 times, the cops will literally turn you away unless like you have like a witness or if you have some type of bodily harm done to you, some kind of scar, some kind of video or photographic evidence, which is insane because, you know, the first thing that comes into our minds to not take a photo or record ourselves being like sexually assaulted or rape, I think our body goes into like that fight, fight, flight or freeze mode. Um, so I just think that's incredibly insane to even think, um, to even try to report it. And tying it back to, again, why I didn't report, do you believe that, you know, it has to do with like that lack of evidence and not having your sexual assault being credible enough or, and just enforcing that with um, protecting like abusers in our partly fine, partly environment society? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think we live in a society and our justice system is kind of uh, created around the same thing too of we actually serve the abusers. We kind of act like the woman's voices or whoever's experienced sexual assault, right? That their experiences are not credible at all. And I think it's just like really unfair and it, it's they're not considering the weight that this event carries in someone's life it's just kind of like brushed over. And then when you think about it, it's like, why would somebody want to report? We, you know, it's where our voices are never heard. So it's kind of like, we're stuck in this cycle of we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. Yes, definitely. It's like, you know, like you said, we're, we're damned if we do report and we're damned if we don't because it all ties back to what we see on social media and movies and documentaries that though I do feel like documentaries are more on the realistic side, but with like, um, with t- specifically with TV shows and movies, they create like a larger fear that's like, that we kind of absorb and make us, makes us believe that, you know, law enforcement will not take us seriously at all. And um, there are reports, like if you look at the stats, women do report, right? But it's just the way that they've been treated by authorities and by the law enforcement. Um, but do you think that if the cops were to have more sufficient training in sexual assault cases, more people would trust them to report their experiences? Or do you think like a different um, kind of like organization do, should deal with these kind of stuff? Ooh, um, I think yes and no. I think it would kind of take a bigger change than just the cops. I think training is a step in the right direction, but ultimately it's like, our society as a whole is deeply rooted with misogynistic values and serves abusers. And personally for me, the cops have nothing to do with it. It's more of what people directly in my life would think and how they support me. But I understand for a lot of people, the police are a huge turning point for them. Do you feel like it would change a lot if the cops had more training? I feel the same as you do. I have a bit of a mixed feeling with this. I feel like it would be great if they did have training with it. But on the other hand, um, it's a lot of men who deal with the reports, right? Because that's what I've that's what I've heard from people who have reported. Um, it's usually a white Caucasian um, man, male in his forties or whatever, who will take these reports. And you know, there's that training that's not there. 
I think about a year or two ago, they did uh, pass a bill for judges to be trained in sexual assault cases. So I think that's a huge step as well. But in terms of like step one, which is reporting it to the cops, um, it would be more beneficial for like women, like victim services to actually be in control of taking in like sexual or domestic violence cases and reporting because um, with proper training, of course, I'm not saying that all women don't understand um, trauma-informed survivor-centered approaches, especially, especially with intersectionality. Now in the conversation, like we want a lot of marginalized and vulnerable groups to feel safe and um, their experiences with the cops, especially with Black and Indigenous community, it's not the best. So in terms of that, I feel like it would be super cool if there was a different department that kind of dealt with sexual assault cases, but it would also be really important and super beneficial for the cops to be trained and be able to look at us not as like traumatized people or liars, especially, but just as, you know, to be able to have a dialogue and know that there are, there are certain things that they shouldn't say and certain things that they should say. And I get like lack of evidence and such. Um, it can be super difficult to launch an investigation and try to find, you know, if there was any signs of sexual assault that happened. Um, like I said beforehand, like that's been a big issue in today's day where if you're not, you know, if you're not harmed, if you have no signs of trauma on your body, if you are, um, there was no witnesses to see a sexual assault happen, it didn't happen. Um, and that ties back to this show that I watched on Netflix called Unbelievable, where this teenage girl, the main character, she was sexually assaulted and she had to go in and do a bunch of statements and had to relive her, her, her experiences so many times and she was victimized so many times and it got to the point where the cops were like, oh, you're changing your story. Um, you said you did this, but now you're saying you did this. And you said it happened at this time, but now you're saying it happened at this time. So it's a lot of like, I don't want to say it's a lot of black and gray area, but it kind of is. Um, but I think it would be super cool if the cops were trained, but I just believe that my heart kind of goes towards a different department handling this kind of cases. Yeah, I agree. I've, I also tried watching that show, trigger warning for anybody listening. It is really, really difficult to watch. Um, I couldn't finish it, uh, but I did end up kind of like going on Reddit and just reading about what happens at the end and I feel like this is probably so common and nobody really talks about it but it's like you just have to constantly relive this moment of your life and it's like you already in your own brain feel like you're stuck in it because you're traumatized and then there's people asking you well did you say no well what did you give this person any indication that you wanted to have sex with them were you drinking? What were you wearing? This is this. And they just keep asking you like over and over. And eventually your body just from trauma will naturally shut down. Like it's not our brains and our bodies are not made to experience something like this. And that's why we have, like you mentioned before, the fight or flight or freeze. And I actually learned a new one in therapy and it's fawning. And I realized that I actually do it a lot, but it's almost like feeling bad for your abuser in a way and like wanting to please them. And a lot of people experience this too. And that's also kind of a reason why some people don't report is because they're in this state of trauma 
and they're fawning and they don't want to harm their abuser, even though this person has like traumatized you beyond belief. It's like this, your brain does kind of like this switch. Now that you mentioned that, um, wow, I had no idea that that term even existed. So thank you uh, for explaining that. But yeah, when I was raped when I was 15 years old, um, I hadn't realized that. I feel like a lot of people don't even realize that it's rape, which again, they, or even sexual assault in general, um, they realize it like years after once they're like more educated and they actually understand like sexual violence through a very educational perspective. Um, but yeah, I had the same experience where I felt like I had to like please my my rapist. And then it led to a lot of, um, I don't want to say people pleasing, but people pleasing is something that I do um, struggle with, but more so on the side where it's like, I didn't want him to leave me alone. Like I wanted him, I wanted to keep talking to him, even despite knowing that like years later, obviously that was coerced into saying yes. And all this stuff that suddenly pops up and I'm glad that I had the education now but it's like when I was 15 I wish that that education was still there um and again like pleasing him and I didn't want to get rid of him and I was like just super absorbed in his energy and his very negative energy and it's like I can't really pinpoint a specific word to describe it but I just know that I just didn't want him to leave me alone yeah and people don't talk about how sometimes trauma responses don't really make sense so a lot of the time we're just in our own head and we are kind of like why are we trying to please our abuser like I know I asked myself that it sounds kind of like you were like that too looking back and it's because just like our bodies and our brains are just not programmed to deal with this stuff and like sometimes we do things that don't really make sense um I kind of learned a bit about this. There's this book that I've been reading called The Body Keeps the Score. I don't know the author, but it's it's honestly so amazing. It talks about different kinds of trauma, including sexual abuse, sexual assault, um, talks about it through childhood and adulthood. Um, and it just talks about our, its effect on the brain. And sometimes we are going to do things that don't really make sense to other people. Like for instance, going back to our abuser or like wanting to keep them in our life. It might not make sense to other people, but it's a fawning response sometimes. And it's like, sometimes we don't know any different. Yeah, definitely. I've heard about that book too. I think in episode two, Jasmine did recommend um, How the Body Keeps Score and I haven't read it yet, but thanks for recommending it again. That's definitely something that I'm gonna put on my, my wish list and, and get on that. Um, but yeah, you're completely right. And in terms of like victim blaming and rape culture, I should say in general, because that's a big term, it has a lot to do with like intoxication and stalking, harassing, victim blaming once again. Um, do you think that rape culture can be learned? And what are some ways we can make sure that happens even in the justice system? I do think rape culture can be unlearned. I mean, think about just like people in their 50s who had no idea that what happened to them was assault or rape and now it's been how many years and we understand what assault is we talk about it more and now they're understanding like wow i was raped i was assaulted so if that mindset can change then why can't rape culture be unlearned you know i think in a weird way we all contribute to it by 
maybe supporting certain medias, supporting like, I don't know, certain kinds of porn, supporting things like certain kind of music maybe. And I think it's hard to kind of stop normalizing that stuff. Um, but I think for people to truly unlearn it, we need to be educated in all areas of consent. So that includes understanding the importance of like coercion and the role that that plays in consent. Also that consent, you know, like you need to look at body language, you need to look at words, you need to look at everything. It's not just a simple black and white situation. I think a lot of people think that if somebody says yes, but you know, everything else is pointing to no, their body language is showing no, you've convinced them into saying yes, then is that really a yes? So I think learning this at a young age is really important for us to stop minimizing sexual assault. Um, and I don't know about you, but like when I was in elementary school and even high school, really, we didn't learn about consent. Like even just something as simple as like hugging your friends, it was just like, you go up to them and hug them. You don't ask people, can I hug you? So I feel like, you know, if they were to even just start doing little things like that, it would kind of contribute to consent being normalized in a way. Yeah. Um, I feel like in elementary school, we kind of learn like in kindergarten, they do teach you like, oh, hey, like hands to yourself, be to yourself, don't kick anyone, don't punch anyone. But it doesn't really elaborate more on that. That's just more of the hugging and punching and kicking part or whatever. Um, but I feel like if we were to actually implement some kind of course in high school, because high school is super important. Um, I remember in high school, we did have a planning class and they didn't really talk about consent that much. It was just like, oh, hey, like here's how to have safe sex. Here's how you put on a condom. That's basically it. It was nothing more along the lines of um, like we never talked about what an unhealthy relationship is, how to identify red flags, what exactly is consent, what is um, what is rape, what is sexual assault, and then the only class I actually learned that, that has driven me to do the work I do today is a social justice class in high school. Um, I can't remember if it was mandatory or an elective, but I did take that class, and it was a life-changing game. Um, honestly, I learned a lot from the class, learned about sexual violence, learned about consent, I learned about basically social issues, but we really tackled um, sexual violence in general because I think it hit home for my, my teacher that taught it. And we need more of a course that kind of just goes more into depth, like consent, right? Um, rape culture, victim blaming, how it's not okay to intoxicate someone, whether it's drugs or alcohol and take advantage of them, how it's not okay that if someone sent you like, a picture of their nudes, don't send it in a group chat. Um, we talked a lot about the bro code, but in this case, I do want to say the friend code because while I do believe that men have, you know, that the patriarchy affects them and they do a lot of things that makes them feel superior and dominating, controlling, and just having like a big ego fest. Um, I want to say that girls, a lot of girls that I've encountered personally in my life also have a big role in justifying and enabling an abuser's um, a, an abuser's abuse, basically, and how they will do anything to protect friendship as well. But that's just my own experiences. And just in terms of the justice system, like you've said, someone who's 50 uh, may not have been educated then, but if they realize now 
that they were raped several years ago at a high school party or a college party or at a frat, which is what we've been seeing lately in the news, especially in the Vancouver area with UBC and Western University down in Ontario, um, that people are starting to realize how bad these frat culture and all these parties are. And there's no way to really make women and just college students in general feel safe at school. And instead they kind of turn into this, um, they, so they kind of spread that message where it's like, um, instead of holding abusers accountable and college kids accountable of rape and sexual assault, they spread the message where it's like, use the buddy system and don't um, avoid this part of the campus at night and don't use this alleyway and always carry a weapon with you. Um, but tie again, tying it back on the justice system and just rambling here now. Um, I do think that rape culture can be learned, especially with today's education and such. Um, but if we do want that these changes to happen in our justice system, what are some ways that we can contribute to safe reporting? I just want to quickly touch back on uh, what you were saying like a minute or two ago about your planning class because I just had this thought we had when I was in high school we had like a safe team um, kind of course that we took and the boys would learn how to have safe sex and the girls would learn how to protect themselves uh, against sexual assault and I just think that is so mind-blowing we're not teaching boys to not rape we're teaching them how to not get a girl pregnant yeah. and then we're teaching girls <laughs> how to protect themselves from being raped. It's like, something's not right here. <laughs> that's so messed up. Like that's genuinely so messed up. I'm not surprised, but I am disappointed. Yeah, and I think stuff like this is normalized. Like this is just kind of what our society knows, you know? And back to what you were saying more recently now, like ways to contribute to safer reporting. I think, honestly yeah it's great if the police are trained but i almost think an entirely different organization should be handling the beginning stages where the individuals at their most vulnerable i personally would not want to go and tell a, especially a male police officer about my sexual assault um the whole time i would be probably flustered stuttering not being able to get my words together and i would just think to myself well they don't believe me anyway so I think having even like a mental health specialist is super important. We have to make sure that we don't re-traumatize survivors also. Yeah, and the thing that sucks is when you go into report that you're basically there by yourself. Um, even though I know when you go to report, you can contact some women's organizations and be like, hey, can I have a support worker come down with me to the police station so I can make a report? But when you go down there, it's like very, 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 very rare. Like. I want to say less than 1% of the time, um, they would actually allow your support worker to come in. Otherwise, it's just, they'll just stand outside. It's like, um, especially with people with disabilities, I want to, and again, tying it back to Black and Indigenous community, um, talking to police is a very difficult challenge for them, you know, and I feel like even if there was potentially more women officers in the field and who actually took on more reporting, I would there would still kind of be that fear that's like sitting in the in our chest and telling us that um, 
you know, it's still a woman, but they're still wearing a police uniform. So what makes them any different? Yeah, I also just think that even like aside from reporting, it's really difficult for women in our society to talk openly about sex because we've been shamed for having sex for so long. So by telling somebody that you've been assaulted, you almost feel like you're telling people that you have sex and men just shame women for having consensual sex, uh, let alone being assaulted because it's usually flipped back on, on the victim, right? Somehow it's our fault. So I think there's like a lot of different factors that play into that. And we just don't really create a safe environment for people to share these things and to feel supported. Like I know for me, it took really, really long for me to tell my family or my friends. And these things are really scary and you feel like you're reliving it. And I don't want, you know, I don't want someone like that I open up to, to tell me that this is my fault. So I think that a lot needs to change within the system so people feel safer. Yes, definitely a lot does need to change in our system.